This evening we're going to look at Noah's uh, folly. Genesis chapter number 9 and verse number t- down verse number 20. Genesis chapter number 9 and then start down verse number 20. And Noah began to be an husbandman and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine, and he was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Jatha took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went in backward and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were backward. And they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren, and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant, and God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. Now, uh, back in, I think on Father's Day, I preached a message about Noah, and uh, talked about his faithfulness to God's plan. And he definitely was a man who was faithful to God's plan, and he did what was right. He, he pursued what God had laid out for him to do. He built the ark. He led his family in a very dark dark day and he did what was right and i'm sure i know i'm not sure i'm positive i'm not just sure i'm positive that it was not easy it was not like yay we get to do this there was very difficult days the lord blessed him greatly for his faithfulness and he's a great example to us in so many ways but this evening i want to examine noah's folly i'm a firm believer that i have something to learn from everyone i meet in life Everyone I meet, I can learn something from. Uh, and I had a, I had a boss once who was the most negative and critical people I have ever met in my life. But I still had paid bills, right? I didn't have any other job opportunities laid before me, so I did my work. You know what I learned from him? Never to be like him. That's what I learned. You know, there's, you can learn something from everybody. You know, uh, you, you hang, I uh, have help with the teen group and young adult group. Uh, I, I love their zest for life. And, uh, you know, so I might not have that same energy level, but maybe I could take some of the things they're saying and because I have a little bit more wisdom, I can use my wisdom with a little bit of energy I have and get it done. You know, so the idea is that you can learn from everybody, uh, the right way and the wrong way of doing things. And from Noah's life, we can learn how to do it and not how to do some things. And I understand that we all make mistakes. I'm not going to preach this message and saying how horrible Noah is. I can't believe he did this because every one of us sin and we make mistakes. And no one's perfect. But we should be striving our best to stay out of sin and uh, staying out of trouble, just like EJ said. I do text him that a lot. Stay out of trouble. Behave yourself. Uh, and I text that to other people too, but uh, the idea is that we just need that encouragement. We need to be staying out of sin as much as possible. Little Johnny asked his mom, she just had made cookies. And aren't they the best cookies? Mom just made them. You know, they come out of the oven and they're still like the, the chocolates. You can see the steam coming from the chocolate. You know, can you remember those days? Have you ever experienced that? I know I have way too many times. I've seen it. And this is Johnny looking at the cookies. He's like, Mom, can I have some cookies? And Mom looked at the clock, and it was not far from dinner. She said, not now. It's too close to dinner. It'll ruin your 
your appetite. And so about 10 minutes later, mom came back in the kitchen and she found Johnny. He was on the counter. Mom had taken those cookies and put them in a cookie jar and he was up to his elbows in cookies. I mean, he had his arm in as far as he could get them. And mom was upset, right moms? You know, I would be upset too if I walked in a scene like that. And she's like, Johnny, I said no cookies until after dinner. And then Johnny said, Mom, I'm not eating any cookies. I'm just holding some. <laughs> you know what happens right after you hold them for a little while? <laughs> right? It gets to your mouth really quick. The idea is that we need to stay away. You know, don't go handling it. Stay away. And each of us has a point of vulnerability. Everybody, everyone, we're all uniquely different. You know, uh, so maybe there is a desire for something here that I wouldn't have. It wouldn't be a problem for me, but maybe over here I have a, uh, I'm, I'm using a fictional situation here. Uh, maybe I have a problem with gambling. I don't, but I'm just using it as an example. Okay. And, and then maybe someone over here has uh, a problem. They're in school and uh, they're tempted to cheat. Okay, We all have them. We all have a vulnerability point, and we need to be watching it. And we don't need to be compounding that problem by putting ourselves in the midst of that situation like Johnny did. We don't need our elbows. If we got problems with cheating, we shouldn't be putting our elbows in with the study books and know that we could cheat. And we need to be keeping ourselves back away from such things. Because if we do that, we're not setting ourselves up for success. We're setting ourselves up for disasters. All right. We need to be careful about that. And I really believe as a leader uh, that as leaders, I need to be helping people to be successful. Now, at the end of the day, you make the choice, right? You know, I, I work with EJ this summer. I try to help him have the, the best youth group he could have. OK, I really believe as a leader, that's one of my responsibilities. But at the end of the day, if EJ had a really bad youth group, which he did not have, but if he did, it was because he chose not to implement the steps I told him to do. So the idea is that uh, we need to be setting ourselves up so we see success, we see advancement. Maybe not as far as we'd like, but at least we're going the right direction. So some things here in this portion of Scripture about Noah, uh, I think will be a help. First of all, he forgot the past. He forgot the past. I don't know how long it was in this portion of Scripture from when he got off the ark with his family. I don't know how long it was since... The last bump, you know, before they landed on Mount Ararat. I mean, maybe, maybe it was a year or two. And let me just say two years, just for argument's sake. But really, it was not that long since he saw the destruction of the world, right? Because of sin. There's no way he could, for, you know, he could totally forget that situation. And not long. Now, Noah gets involved with some things that weren't good. Uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, being a husbandman, which is like a farmer working the ground. There's nothing wrong with that, working the ground. Nothing wrong with it. A vineyard's not wrong either. But producing grapes and then placing them in a fermented situation, that's wrong. And it had some bad effects, didn't it? Had some bad effects. Noah had watched for decades, even longer... The effect of wine and alcohol on those neighbors around him, did he not? Because the world was wicked and increasingly wicked, and it was very bad. God destroyed it, but he had forgotten what had taken place. 
with his activities. And sometimes as Christians, we forget about the past. Now, we're, we're not supposed to live in the past, right? Amen? We don't live there anymore. But we need to remember cause and effect. If, if I do that, this is how it's going to affect me. You know, I'll, I'll never forget doing some things that weren't the brightest. I'm never doing those again. I remember as a kid going down and uh, playing chicken with the waves. And you're like, Pastor Alcock, I can't believe you did it. No, I can't believe I did it either. But there was like 15 of us doing it at the same time. We all thought we were invulnerable. The waves will not take us out in the water. I mean, what a bunch of foolish boys we were. You know, until that big wave came in and almost swept us out. Then we were like, this is a really bad idea. We'll never do this again. And we never did. I can't believe we didn't actually go do it again. But we didn't. All right, so some things we need to remember and say, hey, that that's going to hurt me. Because it hurt me back then, so let's not do it again. Uh, and we need to make sure, understand that we're in a battle. And the battle's real, isn't it? I mean, this is not a make-believe thing. Oh, I have a battle today, tomorrow's fine. No, we're in a battle every day with the flesh. And when we allow ourselves to get away from a solid, vital, growing walk with the Lord, it's easy to fall back. It's easy to... Go back to where we were before, or at least go back in that direction. I think that's what Noah, excuse me, did here. I believe he chose to forget, and he forged ahead. There's no way he could not remember what he saw back in the day. Verse 21 says, and he drank of the wine, and he was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. Now, he forged ahead with his pleasure, so he forgot the past, now he's forging ahead. He had a green thumb. He had the ability uh, to produce. Like He knew how to do to make things grow. And uh, not everybody's got that ability. I get some friends that they touch something green and it goes brown. You know, they just don't have the ability to nourish and, you know, just to do it right. And But not in this case. No one knew how. And uh, I love uh, the fresh produce in my backyard right now. There's a huge amount of tomato plants. we got a raspberry bush, I think, back there and some... Uh, uh, raspberry bushes, or yeah, that's right, strawberry, raspberry, I think that's what we have. And uh, they're growing, it's great. It's awesome. And I love grapes. I really love grapes with cheese and crackers. Man, that's delicious. And I keep reminding myself that's an extremely healthy choice, so I like to eat it a lot. Okay? And, and I love grape juice. I mean, uh, I bring that stuff home and it's like gone. You know, we got four mouths and it quickly disappears uh, and kind of goes. But Noah went beyond that. He knew what he was doing. You know, grapes don't ferment on their own. I remember this one time. We were going across the border into the United States. Uh, I don't know exactly where we were coming from, but we were going across. And uh, the border guard told us that we had to go to secondary. That's never a fun feeling, is it? I mean, I, I knew we weren't doing anything wrong. There was nothing illegal in my car. We weren't transporting we weren't any kind of mules for any drug gangs or anything. But it's still a really unpleasant feeling. Now, I like it when they're like, they smile, have a great trip. Yay, I, I will. And, but I don't like to go in the secondary. So, uh, and we were driving. So uh, this is the first time it ever happened. I think this is the only time it's ever happened. We drove up. Into a two-bay garage, we drove in, and the door closed behind me. And I, I'll never remember, I'll forget the sound, you know, click, 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 click. Oh, Lord, what's going to happen? 
you know, down it comes. And the border guy comes up and he's like, sir, what do you have? You got any fruits and vegetables in your van, in your van or car? It was a car at the time. And, uh, so I'm, I'm sweating because I'm a little nervous. You know, I'm not really excited about this. And, uh, and, uh, I don't know how I said it, but on the lines, uh, the ideas of, I think there's some grapes in the back, and, but, uh, because Emily was just tiny, she was only about a year old. So, you know what, one-year-olds are like, they don't like something and they throw it on the ground, right? So, uh, there was some grapes back there, I said, and they're probably fermenting. I'm like, ha ha ha, you know, trying to make, make a joke, you know? And, uh, I just, that's where I go when I get nervous, it's joke time, okay? And, uh, he looked at me kind of like, you're not very bright, are you? You know, type of look. And he goes, that's not how it works. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and they soon let us go. But the reality is you don't throw grapes in the backseat of your car and all of a sudden you get wine, right? The idea is that no one knew what he was doing. This wasn't a surprise. He didn't wake up one morning and was like, wow, what did I make? No, he knew all about this. He knew what he was doing. And rather than stop, he forged ahead... And he was certainly a man of character. He was, you know, he was a man of faith in previous we've seen. But this time he willfully forged ahead with his pleasure and he got drunk. And he got drunk and he disrobes and he exposed himself in his tent. And this is the first clear indication of the, you know, the perversity of alcohol that's recorded for us. Okay? Uh, in this situation, there is a modesty and shame in this situation, in this event. You know, today, this evening, there are multitudes of individuals in our community who are getting over the pleasure of alcohol this weekend. Some of them are still indulging in it. And uh, I, I'm going to go on record and just tell you, no Christian has any business getting drunk. And you might not like that, that's fine. Uh, but you got no business drinking as Christians. Uh, it's not part of what God has for us. And uh, I've ministered to young people over the years whose parents are uh, more on the beer or the alcohol more than they're off. And I'm telling you, those families are a mess. They're a mess. Uh, I remember this one Sunday, Saturday morning. I don't know if I told you this story, but... I'll just remember it for as long as I live. I was walking down, I think it was like... 7th Avenue in Deer Lake, and I saw these two little boys outside playing by the door, as, you know, little boys would, playing in the ditch and things, and having a good time with their little Tonka trucks and stuff. And I'm like, these are two fine candidates for our Sunday school program. So I went to their door, or went up to them, and I was like, uh, boys, are you, is your dad home? Is your mom home? And they're like, yeah, he's inside. So I knocked on the door, and so I'm ta- chatting with the little boys, you know, just chatting with them. And it's like, is your dad home? Like, he hasn't come to the door. And they're like, yeah, yeah, he's home. Yep. And, you know, doing the things little boys do. And, uh, and I knocked on the door this time a little harder. And then third time, I was like, could you go get your dad for me? And one little guy walked in the room in the house, opened the door. And you know what little people do, right? You ask them to go get their parents. They open the door. Dad! Someone's here for you! And I was like, that's not exactly how I wanted to be introduced, but thank you. And then I hear a, a noise in the, in the room beyond. 
And he calls out to his son. I can't remember the boy's name now, but he walked back in and he comes back to me. He says, come with me. So I go in and here's their dad laid out on the couch drunk. It was eight o'clock in the nine o'clock in the morning. He'd been up all night drinking. And I sat, I stood there. I'm like, I can't talk to this man. He won't even know who I'm in in a couple of hours. He won't even remember the situation. It broke my heart to think those two precious little boys, they're probably going to grow up and do that exact same thing. Because that's the example they see. God's Word has some pretty strong language concerning drunkenness, and it's all negative. It's not positive. And someone might say, well, you, you can't find a verse that said never drink. No, but I can find lots of verses that tell you what happens when you do drink, and it ain't good. Stay away from it. Drinking is portrayed in the Scripture as something a Christian should not be involved with. You know, <clears throat> Billy Sunday was quite the individual. All right, Famous preacher yesteryear in the United States. And I don't know if I would agree with everything that Billy Sunday talked about and said, but I guarantee you, me and Billy Sunday are right on the same page about alcohol. You know, he said this, whiskey has, is, uh, is all right in one place. And he said, but its place is in hell. Hey, we should never be drinking, folks. And I'll be honest, I hear less and less. I remember I was about 15 years old and I heard the preacher in my church preach about why Christians shouldn't drink. I'm like, shouldn't we already know that? I was 15. I didn't need to be told that. I knew that that's what the world did. And since then, you know, I think there needs to be more talk about it because there's more and more Christian churches saying, yeah, we're having a we're having a wine tasting thing at our church. What? What? what where, where did you fall off? The Word of God's pretty clear. Uh, and it's pretty hard. It's almost impossible to overestimate the influence of alcohol in North America today. It's massive. The alcohol industry makes or is over a $30 billion, $30 billion industry. And that was a couple of years ago. Now, this next, and this next statistic is a little bit old. I searched it out. I remember looking through this a while ago. Uh, and it's very disturbing. And it's sad. There is one outlet, outlet serving alcohol beverages for every 80 homes in North America. So my neighborhood, the houses around 80 houses, there's going to be a place not too far away where we can go get drunk. We get alcohol. Wouldn't it be awesome if there was a church for every 80 houses in North America? We're not even close. We're more like, hey, one church for every 250,000 people. It's it's crazy. It's sad. The wine's a mocker. Proverbs 21, wine's a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Wine harms, Proverbs twenty three thirty two. at the last it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Uh, alcohol is a companion of immorality, Proverbs twenty three thirty three. thine eyes shall behold strange women and thine heart shall utterly uh, perverse things, shall utter perverse things. Now I've, drug, uh, I've dealt with fellows and individuals who are drug addicts and you know what they tell me, that alcohol is the first step towards them getting drugs again because it just brings down their inhibitions, you know. Just phew. You feel like I can do anything now after I get some alcohol in me. 
I met up with, this is a really sad story. I met up with a friend. He was a great friend back when I was a kid. Like, I'll be honest, when I was growing up as a kid, he was the guy I wanted to be like. Can you have friends like that when you're growing up? You're like, that guy's so cool or she's so cool. I, I want to be like her. He was a few years older than me. And, uh, you know, we, I, I guess spent about five years growing up with him, whatever, and then he moved away. And I remember when I got saved, he was the first person I phoned. I hadn't seen him in about 12 years. He was the first person I got, when I got saved, I phoned. Can you remember when you first got saved and how excited you were about telling people about you? Can you remember that? Can you remember, like, you were just floored at salvation and you couldn't believe it and you were so excited. And I remember phoning this guy. I tracked down his number. He was living way out west. And I phoned him. And I told him all about what the Lord had done in my life. And I mean, I was just going on and on and on telling him. And he's like, oh, that's great for you. That's not good for me. Click. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. That was like a real downer that day. It was like, oh, man, he needs the Lord. And a few years ago, I, uh, about five years ago, I met up with him. I was out west. He's still living out there. Met up with him and said, hey, he said, let's come over for supper. I haven't seen you for so long. It'd be good to get together. And he had uh, some steaks on the barbecue and well, he brought out the beer. And he's like, you want a beer? I'm like, nope, don't drink. Never have. And uh, he says, oh, yeah, ha, ha, ha. That's right. You're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. But I made a decision before I got saved I was never going to drink because I saw what it did to other people's lives. But I'm definitely going to keep that commitment now. I'm definitely a Christian. And he's like, he mocked it a little bit and then he went on, you know, type of thing. You know, a few years later, about a year and a half later, after drinking a lot and influenced by some drugs, he did some horrible, wicked acts. And he's not going to get out of jail until after he's a senior. So don't tell me that alcohol is a good thing for you to take. It's wicked. It does no good for you. Now, before we get on Noah's case too much, you know, that, you know, what a wicked, you know, how could you do that? There's times when we pursue our, pre- our pleasures too that aren't right. We chase them down. We want them. We want that. We, we like how it feels. And we, you know, and, and we, we pursue it rather than obeying the Lord. And we need to check our hearts too. Make sure that we're on the right track. We'll make sure that we're, we're not forging down uh, ahead of the Lord without doing what we need to be doing. He forsook proper procedure. Uh, Noah gets loaded drunk here and he's found naked. What a sad sight. A faithful man of God found by his one son first passed out in that situation. I'm pretty sure when Noah started drinking that night, he wasn't thinking, well, I'm going to end up on the floor with no clothes on. No, he just started drinking. And Noah demonstrates here the reality of not the proper parenting methods, right? This is not how you're supposed to do it. And nakedness today is promoted in our society. It's it's prevailing in almost every mode of media. It's not what the Lord desires. I mean, I love summer, but I hate summer at the same time. You know exactly what I'm talking about right now. I mean, I like that it's warm, but I just wish it was a little cooler so people would put a little bit more clothes on. You know, and we were trying to raise families or boys for the Lord and they see nakedness around. We're trying to raise our daughters for the Lord and they see nakedness around is tough. 
is not easy. And we need to be encouraging them, hey, let's do what's right. Let's, let's be modest. The Word of God has lots to say about modesty. For us to be modest. And we live in a day where uh, immodesty and immorality is rampant. It's all around us. And I really believe immodesty and immorality, they go hand in hand. They, they're, they're buddies. Bad buddies. Okay? They're together. And uh, we need to be watching out for it. And uh, we need to uh, make sure that we're not pushing the envelope just to make think, get people to think, oh, we're, we're, in, we're in with the in crowd. No, who cares what people think? At the end of the day, it's all about what the Lord thinks, isn't it? What does the Lord want me to do? What's the, what's the Lord's plan for my life? Now, I'm not gonna, uh, bring out a, uh, put up a slide here and say, now, your pants need to be, uh, one inch past your ankle or something. No. You know, you, uh, we need to be modest. We need to be, uh, living, living a life of modesty. We need to be, uh, that should be our heart. And we need to be guiding our eye gate. Amen? We need to be guarding it against so many immodest and immoral things around us. Uh, because that, what we see, affects right here, right? If we continue to see it, we continue to allow it to enter, it'll affect our heart. And we need to be protecting our heart. And we need to be directing and teaching our kids to have a heart for God. And if we're teaching our kids that, we need to be doing the same thing in our lives. We need to have a life, a heart that's deepening its love and desire for God and what He would have for us. You you can get discouraged about how much you see around us that is not right. But praise the Lord, God has people encouraging us to do what is right. Amen? I'm so glad for a church family where I can come together. My kids can be encouraged to live for right. That's not to say that kids never do wrong. Of course they do. We do wrong. You know, the reality is that we're just pushing ahead. We're trying to do what's right for Jesus Christ. His failure can be repeated or deleted. In our lives. So from what I know of Noah from Scripture, he did not intend for all this to happen, to take place. And again, I don't think he woke up that morning and said, this is what I want to do by the end of the day. I don't think that's what took place at all. I'm pretty certain it didn't. But his failure led to this. And it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. We can learn, I believe, I'm a firm believer, we can learn something from everybody. We can learn something from Noah's life here. Not to make the same failure. Not to do the same thing. And we all, the reality is we all fail, we all make mistakes. I remember, uh, when we first got in the ministry, me and my wife, uh, we, we graduated Bible college, I think it was the 1st of May, we got married on the 20th of May, and then we moved to Newfoundland, uh, by the 1st of August. My wife was in a whirlwind and she didn't know what was hitting her when she got to Newfoundland. People were talking strange, they ate weird things. You know, I told my wife, no, honey, the fall is amazing in Newfoundland. It's so beautiful. The leaves are great. That fall, we didn't see the sun for 31 days. It rained. It was foggy. I think she was getting ready to leave and go back to Ontario. Then I'm like, well, honey, honey, the winters are great. You know, that winter, we got 21 feet of snow. And I'm not, I'm, listen, you know, some preachers get up and are like, is that really, I'm telling you the truth. It's 21 feet of snow. And we had like, I'd never seen so much snow in my life. And there was thunder, there was thunder and lightning in snowstorms. It was intense. 
And like there were so many things that I was telling my wife, I've never seen this before, honey. And, <laughs> and she's like, you're from here. What's wrong? But anyway, the first year we we moved to, into uh, Saint. We live in Saint uh, Mount Pearl, and that's where our church was, First Baptist Church in Mount Pearl. And the pastor gave us the responsibility to take care of the junior church program. And so the children's church program was kids four to twelve, in around there. I don't know exactly how old they were. I know it's four though, the starting point. And, and those kids told me and Michelle all the time all the errors their parents were making that week. Oh man, they would come in and they would tell me some tales that you would not believe. And I knew that some of these tales were just that. They were tales. Like this guy was thinking about this all week to tell me when he got to church. And I remember going to some of these parents and some of the parents that really the kids were telling tales on. I would tell them just joking around. Like, I know that this, this hasn't happened, but I want to let you know what little Joey said in Sunday school or junior church this morning. And when I informed the parent what happened, they were quick to tell me the truth of the situation. And it's usually they were making up stories, whatever the case. What, the, what makes a difference is what we do after we make a mistake. Now, those parents were telling me, no, that didn't happen. This is what happened. And it was a good laugh. We chuckled about it. The reality is when you make a mistake, it really matters what you do after you make that mistake. What are you going to do? Or you make a mistake and you're like, oh, that's it. I'm finished. I quit. I'm never doing it again. I'm never doing anything again. You know, when you're like seven, eight years old, that's what happens, right? I give up on life. It's so hard. You're eight. <laughs> Get over it. You're going to be fine. You know, but the reality is, how do we respond? You now, do we are we going to say, well, I'm going to continue doing it? It's like, no, I did what was wrong. I need to get right. I need to be I need to be confronted with the truth. Hey, those kids were telling me those stories, and I, I brought those stories to their parents, and they told me the truth. We need to be confronted with the truth. And that helps us not to forge down that road again to do the same thing and go after our pleasures. You know, we, we don't have to make the same error. I'm not saying that we, we're going to do exactly what Noah did, but we don't have to do what Noah did in the sense of making the error. Sin is without a doubt deceitful, isn't it not? It's deceitful. We'll exhort one another daily while it's called a day, lest any of you harden to the deceitfulness of sin. Oh, it's... It, it deceives. It's, its characteristics seek to conceal the truth. The, the man in Psalm 1, the blessed man, walked not in the way. He didn't stand in the way. And he didn't sit with those who were sinners. So he was protecting. He made the right choices, didn't he? He was doing, he, he was guarding his eye gate and he was guarding his heart and he's, and the Lord blessed him because he was making choices that helped and protected him from committing sin. You know, we, the progression of sin is evident in Lot's life. You know, he pinched his, pitched his head towards Sodom. So the day that him and Abraham split, you know, Lot didn't go walking right into the city of Sodom. He just pitched his tent towards it first. And maybe every morning he woke up and was like, oh, I got his tent. Like, man, look at that nice city in Sodom. Honey, I think we should move in there. You know, he pitched that that way. He didn't immediately move there, but we see, we know through Scripture that he ended up there and he lost almost everything there. Eve first heard the devil's lie. 
Then she believed the lie and then she obeyed what or listened or conceded to what the, you know, the lie, the, the serpent was saying. It's progressive. We need to watch out for it. And we, we need to make sure in our own hearts and lives that we're putting up those barriers. We're, we're guarding our hearts. We're guarding our eyes that we're going to go forward for the Lord. The prodigal son is another example, right? He thought he would have all kinds of fun. He was deceived. He'd been thinking about it. He had the means. He went and he soon found out this is not what I thought it was going to be. This is bad. And we need to make sure that in our own lives that we're not allowing envy or bitterness to grow to hatred. We need to be watching out for it. Uh, hatred, uh, I mean, we need to hate sin, right? We need to. We need to make sure that, that we're not allowing sin in our hearts and lives. But we should never have hatred or uh, feelings of uh, wrong towards other believers. That's not part of God's plan for us. And if we got to watch out because we can be deceived, we can get our envy growing or bitterness growing, and we're deceived by sin, and we end up somewhere that we never thought we would. We need to watch out for it because it's a progression. You know, it's just like uh, I know a while ago I preached about drifting. You know, uh, you get in that little canoe or boat or whatever, and I can remember as a kid getting on a bay or a pond in Newfoundland and you know, just like, oh, yeah, I'll just sit back here and put my head back and have a little snooze. And all of a sudden, I'm like, a mile away from shore. How did that happen? I didn't do anything. Well, that's just, I'm going with the flow. I'm going with the tides. I'm, there's progression. I'm moving away from my destination. And we need to resist that temptation to what lays out there. Hey, there's something wrong. There's a problem between you and someone else. You need to get it right. Don't allow it to fish through. Maybe there's uh, something else in your heart and life. Uh, maybe you're, you're tempted to do something. Hey, re- resist that temptation. The Lord can help you. He can help you. Therefore, I have no temptation taken you, but such as come to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but with the temptation, also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. You believe the Word of God? Not sure? I think you do. The Bible gives us a verse that says that the Lord will help us. The Lord will help us. And, and, and don't give occasion to sin. Abstain from even the parents of evil. First Thessalonians 5.22 Abstain from all parents of evil. Abstain from it. Watch out. And it's not about what my, how I look. No, it's all about how am I presenting Jesus Christ. Hey, if you saw me walking down the street today, and I had a bottle of beer in my hand. Be like, what is Pastor doing? He'd probably have a car wreck. You know, trying to go see what I was doing or follow me, whatever. Hey, maybe I just picked up the can off the street, right? You don't know. But the idea is just to stain from the parents. I'm not going to go into a bar and try to witness people of Jesus Christ. I'm going to stay out of it because I don't want to have any appearance of evil. Now, we just need to watch out in our own lives. What are we doing? And how ask the Lord to... To make sure that we're not going the wrong way. Make sure that we don't, we're not rebellious children. We're, we're taking the counsel of God and we're moving forward. You know, we don't have to make the same mistakes Noah made. And we can stand for truth, amen? And we can resist the temptation with the Lord's help. And, and, and I just encourage you, don't commit the folly of Noah. Now, I so wish that these verses in Genesis chapter 9 never took place. It never would have happened to kind of tarnish 
the testimony of Noah. Now, he was mentioned in Hebrews as a man of great faith. He definitely was. But this decision led to something that wasn't so good. Lord, help us to make decisions and help us to make the right decisions so we are on the good side. We, we are abstaining from the parents of evil. And we won't follow in Noah's mistake in the folly of sin. Let's pray.